Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday. No, it's not. It's Tuesday, December the 29th. Uh, Virginia basketball has a game tomorrow night, hence the uh, moving of the podcast. Um, I also didn't think the guys would really want a podcast on New Year's Eve. That just seemed um, foolish to try to to try to do. Uh, so anyway, so we will we will instead do it this this fine evening. We will talk about um, the Molly Whopping that the Cavaliers received in um, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, may they never ever go back there ever again. Um, I, wow. We'll, we'll 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 get into that, and then also we'll we'll preview um, tomorrow night's aforementioned game as the uh, Wahoos get out to South Bend, where about forty five minutes ago, Cody uh, Stabman uh, posted a thing on his Instagram. It was a video, and it just and it's snowing, and it and it said snowshoes, and so he's like looking around, getting off the bus, and it's snowing, and he looks down his feet, and he's wearing um, sandals or slides, sorry slides, and uh, I gotta admit um, to be young and stupid again, right? Um, so anyway, so we'll, we'll talk about that matchup for the Cavaliers and then we will end with a retrospective on the year that was, I mean, just the most amazing year, right? Just this 2020 will go down as, you know, one of your favorites, right? Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, what, what that meant for UVA sports and such, um, before we turn the page next week into 2021, where for the first time ever. 2020 will be hindsight. All right, let's uh, go ahead and introduce everybody before f- people turn this uh, podcast off. Uh, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. Have you recovered from the weekend? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, therapy did pretty good on Monday, and uh, you know, we're doing my mental exercises today. I'm a Virginia fan, man. You got to be, got to have tough skin. I just, ha- I, I forgot I had that tough skin. Just got. Yeah, got reminded of what we had developed over the years. But, but anyway, yeah, good. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also back on the program. Have uh, have you recovered? <laughs> yeah, man. This feels like a, this feels like an AE meeting. Um, have you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. The weekend. Yeah, me and Dwayne Haskins hit up the strip club. Um, you know, got some wow. R and R time. Uh, it was good. You know, got to reset, got to refresh the batteries. Um, after a tough loss, so I'm back on track. I'm ready to go, ready to learn from this, and uh, I'm at, still at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. We have Cavs Corner has not released him just yet. Uh, Cavs Corner also on the Twitter machine. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right, so let's talk about Saturday. Uh, I wrote in my column, you know, I, w- I wasn't really sure what to make of the game. Um, I texted these two cats and said, "Look, what do y'all, what do y'all, what do you think?" And I don't remember who answered first, but I will I will never forget who answered what. <laughs> Dave Dave answered first. Dave Dave says basically that he thought Virginia was going to get boat raced. Um, which honestly, when you said that, dude, I I genuinely thought you were just doing like UVA fan shtick. Like I didn't really think you, you know, like I really didn't think they were really going to get boat raced. I felt like if they lost, you know, it would be solid. But you know, I didn't expect it to be as bad as it was. But then Ferber said, "You know what? I think they're going to make it interesting. I don't, you know, I think you still got think, you know, Gonzaga's got to win, but you know, Virginia, I think Virginia's going to play up to the moment and stuff. And my goodness gracious, sakes alive, they did not play up to the moment. It was a ball of confusion. Um, it was. Um, I don't think I've ever seen. Well, I can't say ever. I don't think it's. How do I phrase it? I have not seen a Virginia team uh, that that lost." Um, that un- uncertain of itself, I mean, you can really mad libs the crap out of um, this sentence, and all of it would probably fit, other than uh, as long as you were staying away from things like um, efficient or things like um, masterful or anything positive. I mean, it was just downright uh, staggering how rough an outing it was. I expected Gonzaga to be good, and you know, I think for a long time there, I did probably fall into the trap that a lot of people are in now with Gonzaga, which is like, hey, they don't play anybody. They're probably not that great, right? And somewhere along the way, um, after the Morrison years, I guess, I, I don't know, I, I felt like, you know what, maybe, you know, you do this over time, it, it, you, you've earned my respect. That team I saw Saturday, dude, is one <laughs> I've never seen a hot night go through butter that that easily. I, I mean, it was it was incredible. 
Um, I, I thought the Kispert kid obviously was was ridiculous. Um, the fact that the Suggs kid barely did anything offensively, um, he scores eight points on three of seven shooting. He had seven boards, but he did have six assists, four steals. When you have your 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 potential number one pick in the draft score eight points and you still put up ninety eight, I don't care who you're playing. That's pretty good. Um, Dave, let's go to you. Uh, in the days since this thing happened, and I realize that we've now done two podcasts in a row where it's like, in the days since this horrible defeat <laughs> on a Saturday, but in the days since this horrible defeat, uh, what where's your mind on it? Uh, you've been both on the podcast and you know privately, you've been fairly consistent this season that like you don't see enough hustle from these dudes. Like you don't see a lot of like want to in their um, yeah you know in their in their giddy up so to speak. In the days since this game, where Where's your mind at? About the same. I mean, <clears throat> look, we know traditionally Tony's play, players in Tony's system don't do well year one, you know. Um, so you, you've got a bunch of guys in year one you're depending on this year. And Sam Hauser, yeah. even though he redshirted last year, um, obviously Trey Murphy and then um, Reese Beekman. And then you've got guys playing roles that they haven't played, you know, as much. So, like McCoy getting some playing time. So you got a lot of guys working into a system that has proven to be defensively, especially in offense when they're running block remover and, you know, in their, in their complex offensive scheme, it takes time to get comfortable. in. so you got a bunch of those guys on this team and you have what, look, I don't have the inside information on how they're practicing, but you have to figure they're not practicing like they normally would when, contact tracing wasn't an issue right so they're probably reducing time they spend playing tight defense as much as they reasonably can just to keep from having to shut down um so even if it's not reduced drastically it's reduced some so you couple a lot of new pieces with that and best case what we're seeing from virginia right now is a team that's early in their development and they're going to get better worst case this team's just not going to be good this year Uh, um like, you know, they're four and two and they've you know, had like what two impressive games. The first one in William and Mary um, against two not so great opponents. Um, but, you know, what Tony's teams hang their hat on big surprise. It's defense. And this team can't play defense. He, there's a look, I, I attribute it to hustle because I'm used to seeing guys sprint out and recover. And when this team gets beat, a lot of times like you don't see the recovery from the help guy or, you know, it's not a guy getting beat one-on-one. It's, it's the, you know, it's the second and third option. What Virginia has always been good at is rotating and covering that, you know, covering that backside pass or, or the redirect. And this year they're just not there. They're a step late or two steps late. And then they get out of position, they give up offensive rebounds. So it just looks to me like a team that, is unsure of themselves and doing a lot of thinking and not playing. Um, but Gonzaga is very good, so don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you, like a like last year's team, even with their offensive limitations, there's no way that Gonzaga would score 98 on last year's defense. Um, but the pieces right now concern me. And if anything, I've come out. If if any thought has come across my head the last few days that was different, it's. You know, we, we get hung up on, like, you know, Virginia's better. They should be able to recruit a better player now. To me, like, if anything, the start of this year shows you've got to recruit guys who fit the system. And I'm not saying the guys currently don't, but it's just a reminder to me that how specific you need to be to do what Virginia does well. Um, I think I even texted you guys, like, I wouldn't hate to see this team play zone because if this is what the pack line's going to look like, you might as well play zone. Um, the downside to that, obviously, is you're – discouraging development for a team that should likely return almost everyone next year. Um, if not everyone next year. So, you know, it, it's a catch 22, but right now this team is not very good. And if they don't get better, it's going to be a long ACC season, especially in venues with no atmosphere. Um, and Virginia is going to carry a hunted tag. You know, they're going to be hunted in almost every game they play this year. Uh, and even Gonzaga, I felt was obviously they were up because they were playing well, but, Gonzaga seemed to have more energy from the tip-off you know, as a higher-rated team. So this team's got some work to do on the fourth side of the ball, if you will, and and defensively. I haven't given up hope, but, man, this team, I can't think of one that's looked this rough 
at the beginning of the year, um, considering the what I feel like is good talent. Ferber, I Ferber, I feel like, you know, in a way, you know, a lot of what Dave is saying here makes a lot of sense to me in the in the idea of you know um that this that essentially the the limitations right the the limitations for this this team the ceiling has has significantly dropped right their their limitations are out there for the world to see i'm not at a place where i think they should go zone i i do i think that you know you you got to be who you who you want to be um and i do think that trying to do something like that would probably send the wrong message the thing i've been thinking about and you tell me what you think about this. The thing I've been thinking about is, you know, the last few years, um, you know, we've seen dramatically different versions of Virginia basketball, right? In in the championship season, obviously, they're coming off UMBC. The, the only thing that would be success that year was a championship. They played that whole season like that. Then last year, you had this this flip of a switch where all of a sudden it was like they've got to grit everything. You know, if you don't if you don't play defense – as great as you possibly can play it, you're just not, you're not going to have a chance because you don't have the offense to do it. I feel like this team, it's not necessarily that their defense is bad. It is terrible, com- you know, comparatively. It's that the, the thing they're supposed to do well, they're not doing well, and they're also not efficient in doing so, right? You can be really bad on defense and still win games, right? You can be really bad on offense and still win games. You can't do both, and I feel like right now Virginia's problem is that like there is no identity. Like I, I don't know, I, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just a, the the mix of offense and sets and stuff that they've been trying to figure out. I don't know if it's the you know the continued tinkering with with rotations. I mean, I think at this point we 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 have a good feel for what like the you know the seven or so are right seven eight dudes. When you look at this team, what do you feel like? you need to see from them in order to think that they have success in them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you kind of hit exactly how I feel and that's, you know, like last year there was no, there was no consideration of like, Hey, the defense is really good, but maybe they should try to sacrifice some of it for offense because they just didn't have guys on the roster to, you know, like who were they going to put in? that would, you know, fit that description, right? Um, like an offense-only player. They didn't have those. Um, this year they have some of those guys, and, and the biggest thing to me that concerns me is, I think Dave sort of hit on this, like it's just a general, like, uncomfortability you feel, like when you watch them. It's like, you know, it, it's not that they can't play defense because they're not capable players. Like, they're not capable of defending as a group. It's like they're all sort of not sure of where they need to be. Um, and I think we saw that, you know, with the group that won the national title when they were younger players, like, you know, Kyle, I mean, let's be honest, he was not like a great defender when he first got there and it kind of kept him off the floor at times because he was a young player and he was learning and he was an offense first player and, and he really made a lot of strides in that area. He never really was like an elite defensive player, I don't think, but he at least knew where he was supposed to be, right? So he wasn't, like, leaving guys open for shots. And that's what you saw way too much against Gonzaga, you know, rotations that were not where they needed to be, um, you know, in all those shots, but a lot lot of them were open. And, you know, that's something that they need to worry about. And it sort of does feel like they're in this middle ground where it's like, well, we have a good offensive team, um, but, you know, maybe – Maybe the defense isn't where, you know, we don't have, like, elite stoppers on the floor. But then also, like you said, if your offense is that good, they should be able to keep you in games. Like, even if you play a lower possession game, they should be able to score a decent amount of points to keep you in the game if you have guys that you think are pros. That even, like like I said, the championship team, other UVA teams, some nights they didn't have it on defense, but they were able to stay in the game because they could score. Um or vice versa, you know, like last year we saw a lot of games where they just had to hang on for dear life on defense and try to score enough points to to get by. I mean, I looked at the Notre Dame game when I was previewing tomorrow's game, and, you know, last year it was 50-49 to 49 in overtime. So, I mean, but at least you, you had confidence that they could get stops, whereas now it's like I don't really have a lot of confidence that they're going 
going to get stops. And I also don't have a ton of confidence that they're going to be able to score their way back into games because part of the problem is they're just turning the ball over too much sometimes. And then also like the guys that you, um, the guys that you really need to be carrying, you aren't always doing that. Um, you know, I think, and this kind of takes me to my, one of my, probably my biggest concern with this team really is Hauser. Like, I just don't think he is as advertised so far. Um, and I, I, and I hate to be mean, but I mean, it's true. Like he's been a solid offensive player at times, but he comes and goes, you know, he's not an alpha sort of guy. Um, or as at least as a basketball player, I'm not talking about him like personality wise, but um, I see him as like a sort of like a super complimentary piece. And then a guy that is really getting, I think, exposed on defense a lot. Uh, I just don't see like a lot of lateral quickness. And, um, you know, I, I said this to someone the other day, but I kind of thought when he came that he was going to be Joe Harris 2.0. And so far he's like a super Evan Nolte type player. Um Obviously, like, a much better offensive player, but, you know, like, he's not really, he's not a guy that can go out and, like, get his own thing a lot, but I think that's, and, and I think the biggest thing that's in UVA's favor is that Murphy got to play right away, because they might end up having to lean on him more as the primary guy going forward, but I think the last thing I'll say is is that last year we saw them really struggle early in the season, and their offense didn't really get better, but their defense did. And, and they won a lot of games because they were able to just hang on. And um, I have faith that the defense will improve throughout the season, and I think that they can play better than what we've seen. So I'm not really in a panic mode. And also, nobody in the ACC is as good as Gonzaga. So you're not going to have to play teams like that again. Um, and, and I think they can hang with most of the teams in the ACC, and they'll win a bunch of games. And we'll probably look back on this and be like, man, we were really down on them. But um, they certainly concerning things it's not just like all you know rainbows and sunshine i think we need to have a conversation about hauser and um and i think we need to preface this by saying like hey we are three dudes who watch basketball we've never played it at a high level never coached at a high level right so i'm not trying to come out here and say like hey um i'm better than blah 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 blah. okay i'm just gonna go off on what i'm seeing and what i'm seeing to ferber's point like you didn't take long for you to talk to people around the program and whatnot that, you know, he was the best player on the floor last year um, in those practices. Now, maybe there's an injury we don't know about, right? Like maybe he's, you know, he got nicked up at some point and he's dealing with something. I'm not sure. Not, I certainly haven't heard that. But if if somebody told me, oh, yeah, you know, or if Tony came out, you know, and said, well, you know, he's finally getting, you know, that knee right after he twisted, whatever, that would make a lot of sense because he doesn't, he doesn't look comfortable to me. And I think that's the thing is it's not even just, you know, lateral this and, and defense that or, you know, his inability to sort of create for himself offensively. To me, it's his complete lack of comfort. He I under I understand that, like transferring into a system or to a new program and, and learning a new system, it does take time. And there is a very real difference between understanding it on the whiteboard or playing the practice squad and then going out there and being on the floor. I get that. But the. The, the 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 wide vast uh, difference right the space between um, sort of where he is now with where most of the you know transfers have been right considering what we've seen from him at the college level like it he's playing is inconsistently to me as a freshman would not a guy who even if he did come in from a different program I mean heck Murphy looks so much better right? Now, granted, I mean, you know, we're talking about two different skill sets and such and such and such. But, like, Murphy didn't probably – I don't think he really expected to play this year, right? And he's making – you can see him making some strides defensively, um, which is definitely what Virginia needs. Virginia needs him to be a guy who can cover uh, multiple, you know, wing dudes, um, you know, smaller guys and maybe even some bigger guys. Um, I'm kind of in a place where – man, I'm I'm – I'm kind of afraid to think about what this team would have looked like without him, you know, if they didn't have Murphy. Um, you know, if you took him out of the mix, you know, maybe, you know, maybe other guys, you know, roles and such are more solidified. But that brings me to a like kind of a larger point, which is like one of the things that that Virginia basketball has has sort of become known for is under is that guys know who they are um, and that they play to that role, right? Tony's always been a you know 
different guys, different nights kind of coach. He will not play you for three games and then play you, you know, 27 minutes. Like he expects his dudes to be ready. That's always been sort of his thing. Um, when I watch this team, I don't know who's supposed to be doing what, right? Other than Kihei. Kihei's like the only guy who seems to have a very clear, defined role. His job is to facilitate and get the ball to the paint, right? Um, but, you know, even defensively, man, like who's their stopper? You know, you think it's probably, you know, Clark or Morsell, but uh, realistically, I just the, – the way these things – these pieces are fitting together, it's – it's I think it's concerning, and I think it's – that's fair. Given what they've put out there at this point, I think that's fair. Dave, what do you think when – when you watch these dudes, do, what do you see? Do you see identity problems? Do you see – because, I mean, to me, they just look wholly uncomfortable, especially Hauser. Is that is that a problem that comes because they don't have that, you know, set leader who sort of goes out and does, you know, every, the same thing every night? Like, what do you attribute some of these identity issues to? I mean, I just don't think they're a team that's – look, we're used to watching – Virginia basketball the last few years where the guys knew every like they were so close like and this is just an outsider looking and they if a team teammate hears this they might laugh but to me it doesn't look like a group of guys that know each other very well off the court on the court or anything um so to me like what when what I would like to see is different lineups I don't like Hauser and Huff on the floor together I've texted you guys about that multiple times multiple games i don't like them on the floor together um i think we're like we've almost turned when i went when i watched hauser and marquette he had some inside outside game like he's not gonna he's not a dribble driver but he could get position and post up a little bit we've seen some of that um to me like hauser and huff are almost the same guy like you need to use them the same way and having them both on the floor while it helps your offense potentially i think it could also hinder it because we're just seeing Hauser like shoot a bunch of jump shots. We're not seeing much post action out of him. Um, and then defensively, like Jay's not. We we know Jay can't go out and guard a guy at the perimeter. Like he might get out and block a shot on a recovery, but he can't. You know, he, he can't guard a guy dribble driving from the from the three point line. He he's more of an eraser. And honestly, Hauser's. <laughs> I, I don't know what Hauser is defensively, other than the other dude out there. Um, no, like I don't want to leave guys either one of you guys on <laughs> alone. Like I am very disappointed in what I've seen from from Hauser. Not so much on the offensive end because I think the offense as a whole has kind of been just kind of after that first game has just kind of been very average uh, across the board as a bunch of guys trying to figure out their role. Um, but defensively, like how's honestly I don't understand what Hauser's doing a lot of the time. Um, and to me, it looks lazy at points if it's athleticism, whatever, but it just looks bad. It's not what I'm used to seeing out of Virginia players on defense. Um, and it's really, he's not the only one there's others out there, but I expected more than what we've seen. So hopefully he'll improve. But to me, I think, you know, you're right. I, I think having Murphy play this team really needed it. I don't know where they'd be without him, but I still don't know what the what the best lineup is. I I don't I can't figure it out. Like I think Morcel needs more playing time just because he's a better defender. But it goes back to that that one thing I brought up in the preseason podcast is like who who's your stopper? Who's who's your big wing? Who's your Mamadi? Who's your Akil? Like who's your Braxton Key? DeAndre Hunter? Like I haven't seen enough from Murphy to think he can be that guy this year. Maybe. Maybe if the year in the system, he can improve defensively. Um, Morcel, he's pretty good, but he's not long enough to guard a bunch of like six, eight dudes. Um, McCoy shows some flashes, but he's just not getting playing time. So to me, it's, I think you've got to tinker with the lineup, tinker with the matchups, um, and just figure out something to give this team a little spark. Um, Because individually, there's a lot of talent. It just doesn't look good. Um, I was trying to, it almost looked like if Wisconsin football had gone out and got like some small offensive linemen or something like, you know, it's, it's not what you're used to seeing. Maybe you can win a little bit that way, but they just don't quite fit the system. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Justin said it like, you know, beginning of the year, maybe it's, maybe we're overreacting, but I, I just, there's, there's some warning signs to me. I don't know what the answer is. 
I trust Tony does. I mean, he's watching the same film we are with much better angles, and he's not getting infomercials halfway through a game. You know what's f- – <laughs> we're going to have to get into that in a second. You know what's really <laughs> weird is can we draw some parallels here to, like, how Virginia's secondary just completely f- seems to have forgotten how to, like, play the ball and how Virginia's defense in ho- – like, that the pack line right now doesn't doesn't look anything like what we're accustomed to, right? And – it, it, yes, I trust Tony. I mean, listen, the man, his his bona fides are obviously, you know, a mile long. And we've seen him take, you know, teams with much, much less, you know, talent overall and really do a lot with them, it, probably including the one last year. But the thing that that team last year had was grit and physicality. And I think Dave's talked a lot about this, right? The idea that that in this in this current environment, defense is going to be really challenged. You know, a really challenging. You know, it's a, It's going to continually be harder to to essentially get yourself to a place where you can play the kind of defense that that Virginia's accustomed to because you can't practice it that way. Um, and that might be one of those things that, like, without that, it's really difficult to sort of you know show up on on game night. I I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, and I, this might, it kind of doesn't matter, but it's just been on my mind. I feel like if there was a pandemic last year and you took that team and you asked them to go out and hold somebody to 55 points, they could do it. I don't know. I, I, maybe it's because there were more known commodities on that team, but that group, they understood who they were and who they were not. And, you know, with the occasional, you know, Kihei would have a game where he does that thing where he drives in the lane and then, you know, he's trying to like, drop pocket passes and, and, you know, he's trying to, you know, drop it off at, you know, big men's ankles and such. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he still does that. He still does that. <laughs> but, but do you see what I mean? Like they were very good at understanding like their strengths and weaknesses and not, and playing to their strengths. I, the thing about this team that is really staggering to me is if you ask them, if you ask them, who, what do you, you know, what, what do you think your role is? I think you'd get so many different answers based aside from like what it should be does that make sense like there's a whole lot of like you know confusion right there's this there's this there's this kind of i don't know it's almost like a um a malaise of spirit or something right like these dudes are just out there man and they're like i don't know if they're waiting for somebody to take over i don't know if they're waiting for the for the virginia magic you know pixie dust to to kick in so they all of a sudden hold teams to you know shot clock violations or what but man it's rough to watch it really is and you can look up and down this roster and you can say like this dude should be better and this dude's more talented than this and i think that's the most frustrating part for me is watching them and knowing like they're better than what they're putting out there but at some point and today's point about warning signs like at some point your potential doesn't you know it not only does it not matter but it's actually like it's a it's it's almost hurting you right like at some point like you have to either be who you're going to be or you just are who you are what do you think, Ferber? How 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 do you kind of encapsulate yeah. like your frustration level with this team? Well, I mean, I think this this game coming up. Um, I mean, it might actually be after some of you guys listen to this, but um, Notre Dame is a perfect opportunity to show who you are, right? I mean, you look at what the games that they played so far. They played a bunch of games that they they were going to win. You know, Towson. St. Francis, William and Mary, like they were going to win all those games. They won all of them comfortably, no problems. You know, then they had the what the hell is going on games against Kent State and San Francisco. And then, you know, they lost to a Gonzaga team that even on a good day, it's going to be hard to beat. Um, This is a game against an ACC team, you know, predicted to finish in the bottom half that so far this season hasn't beaten anybody good. Um, They've been in some games, but, you know, everybody with a pulse that they've played, they've lost. Um, so, you know, if you have a pulse, you should be able to go in there and win, even if it's close. I don't think that necessarily means they'll go in there and win by a lot. Um, but this is a game, if you're good, you should be able to go win it um, or at least look like you know what you're, you're doing. Um, so, I mean, I think that if they come out and, and, and handle this game or, or at least win, you know, it's like, OK, you know, maybe maybe we're overreacting. Maybe, you know, it's a small sample size in a pandemic year and. You know, um, two of the the your both of your losses were scheduled like very last minute. Um, you know, stuff like that. Who knows? 
Or if you come out and look bad again, it's like, okay, maybe you just are what we've seen. And that's that's what this team is um, with room to grow, obviously. But, I mean, you think about North Carolina last year. They came in ranked, I think, top 10, and they won like eight games or whatever it was. So, I mean, eventually it was it became clear that they weren't good. And and I don't think UVA is going to be in a situation like that. But, um, you know, I certainly think that they if they're going to be – you know what we expected them to be then then we're going to need to start to see that improvement play out um before it's too late and the losses mount up um and i think that i think that we will i think that they will turn the corner um but maybe even if they do i, I don't know if they're going to end up being you know one of these top 5 teams um just based on what we've seen from them but uh i think that they have certainly the potential to be good i don't think the acc is particularly strong um so i think they'll be able to win some games but they got to put their head down and start doing it on a possession by possession basis starting this week um you know they have this game in tech i think comes to charlottesville on saturday right so i mean that's that's going to be a tough game so you know they're they're not going to get particularly easy down the stretch so um yeah i mean you are what you are uh, you know, you can slip up, and but you have a chance to redeem yourself. But if you don't start redeeming yourself, then eventually we're just going to have to assume they're not very good. They came out in the opener, and they were just absurd shooting the ball, right? Yeah, and, what a weird performance. That's like the biggest outlier of the season. Well, that's what's that's what's um, really that's like, that's what's really interesting, right? Is like think about it like this. We thought at the time that's the standard. No pun intended. Right, like that's what that's what they're going to be this year, and then they just have never, they've never, it's not even like they have had, like they've not come anywhere close, right? Like, and I, you know, I, I think back to what Tony said after that game, like, you know, hey, some of this, you know, is, is is you know, you can you can get a little bit out of whack relying on this, you know, and it was almost prophetic, you know, if you if I mean, like, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but like, if you go back and, and listen to it, I mean. He's essentially saying, like, hey, we're not going to get distracted by the depth and da 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 I do think, and this is a rarity for the show, right? I'm, I'm going to be a little critical here. Like, I do think that one of the things that you've seen is that they, in hindsight, I wonder if they would rather go back and just pick some dudes and stick with it as opposed to doing as much playing and and, and tinkering with, with things. Because, like, at least for a little while there, it definitely felt like there was some platooning going on. Um and maybe the worst thing they did was keep some of the pieces away from the other pieces that needed to hurry up and fit together. Um, but I want to I want to get us onto to Notre Dame here in a second. So I'll, we'll we'll wrap up the um, the doomsday <laughs> conversation. Um, I want to go back to that that first game. I mean, like, can they get back there? Um, because to me, the best version of these dudes together. One, I mean, obviously, defensively, they have to get better because UVA can't. I mean, that's just not. It's just not negotiable. Um, but even if they're not going to be vintage UVA, right? The the thing I feel like this team can do well is this team can score, right? They have not been able to score, so clearly something is 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 broken because these these guys individually are very talented offensive players. Now, granted, sometimes you put a whole bunch of really good offensive players together, it doesn't make a good offense. Um, but I feel like everybody is timid and that's the thing f- for me that is, you know, Dave's very, very much on the, you know, it doesn't look like guys are really into it, right? Like there's not a whole lot of like, I'm going to go make this play sort of thing, right? Like dudes are not maxing out, so to speak. For me, it's like guys are timid. They are, I mean, in a lot of ways, a lot of these guys kind of are finesse players, which in this day and age is not a terrible thing to say. I mean, there are a lot of there are plenty of offensive players and systems and such that are you know kind of more finesse. But the the to me they won't finesse players win national championships, yeah, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, you know, I think back to you know Ferber mentioned you know Kyle Guy when he first got to UVA. That first season he played some, then he stopped playing for a while, and then he played some more, and he only played a little bit more because his defense got a little bit better. And then I feel like Tony allowed him and, and Ty to make some mistakes. I don't have a, I don't think Tony Bennett right now has a problem with his dudes making mistakes. You know, I think his problem right now is that he doesn't know anybody he's supposed to count on, and so he's doing his best, right? Um, you know, to 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 ride the wave, so to speak. But like, pay, like listen to his post game after the Gonzaga game. I mean, dudes, dudes on some level have to 
I think ultimately the the way this thing gets shifted, and maybe it happens tomorrow night in South Bend, the way it it it's gonna have to be personal, you know. Like there's there's got to be there's there's got to be not just it's not just want to. Like I think all, all everybody who plays the game wants to, right? It's there's a level of of you know Tony talked about like you have to just decide that like n- that no matter what you're going to get this done, like right? Like they're not going to do this. We're we're going you know we're going to make this happen. Um, I don't know how you translate that into offense because I feel like this group has to get it, get their energy from that. But man, uh, it's that timidness. It's that lack of, you know, um, it's not cutthroat. There's, you know what I'm saying? There's just this, there's just something about it. Everybody just looks really kind of not, I don't know if it's afraid or what, but just completely out of sorts. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that other than you just go out there and you, and you, and you, you know, blow it off the map. Um, let's get to, let's get to Notre Dame. Let's get to Notre Dame. Dave, what do you think of this matchup? Um, how, are you actually, let's go to Ferber. Dave, Ferber, when, when you look at this one to me, obviously we, we got the preview up on the site, so I don't want to get too far off that beaten path and make you rehash or whatever. But when you look at, when you look at Notre Dame, is it just the, the, the three point shooting? I mean, cause they look like a team that if you're going to get straight offensively, that they might be the one to help you out with that. What are, what are your thoughts on on this matchup and and how Virginia, um, how Virginia might get off the schneid so to speak against uh, against the Irish? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's an opportunity here. Honestly, um, I'm not a big fan of playing teams like Notre Dame because you just the variance on three point shooting is kind of a scary thing, and against the pack line, that's one of the ways you could win. You know, you just get really hot, um, and. I think, you know, with that said, I think that Notre Dame is not really proven an ability to stop teams. Um, they don't play particularly fast, but, I mean, if you look at their scores, they're playing some high-scoring games. Um, and, you know, I think that UVA has an opportunity to get on track here, especially, you know, one-on-one matchups, right? Like, I think that they'll have the ability to sort of get after guys and, and you know, win those matchups and, and get to the rim and, and do what they need to do, find open threes against Notre Dame, um, they'll have some advantages there. And, you know, Mike Bray, obviously very good offensive coach. I expect them to be able to come out and score some points. But UVA's got to be able to score, you know, high 60, 70 probably to win this at least. Um, and, you know, I think that they'll be able to do it. It's just one of those things where, you know, they can. They need to score. They definitely need to score, but they are also going to have to find a way to get enough stops. And and obviously that sounds stupid, but because of course that's that's how basketball works. But, um, you know, I think that if you allow Notre Dame too many open threes, it might not matter how many points you can score because you know you're just going to get beat by a barrage of threes, which they're certainly capable of doing. Um, they have a bunch of talented outside uh, shooters that they're sort of like an outside guard heavy team. So. Um, I think you'll see a lot of outsets and, and them trying to challenge UVA on the perimeter, but I think UVA will be able to get after them um, on offense and should be a pretty good game. Uh, those UVA usually wins these games against Notre Dame, but um, you know that they're going to have to play better than they did on Saturday and better than we've really seen them play recently. Yeah, I mean, I keep thinking, you know, who is Notre Dame? You know, if you if you just looked at you know sort of the particulars and took off the jersey, you know, they're still a talented, you know. Um, legit threat that's the thing with me is like they have good players yeah like if you look at their roster you're like oh he's good and he's good you know so like even though they're not that good they do have good players I yeah think. and i mean a lot of these dudes are guys virginia recruited right like they would have loved to have the lashevsky kid um prentice hub was one of their top targets for a good while um you know it's a it's a it's a talented team and and one that i think when you look at the um you know when you look at the big picture of sort of what Virginia is going to face in the ACC. Like, this is what it's going to be like, right? Teams with, you know, dudes who, you know, they have a handful of, like, really talented guys and some role players, and um, you're going to have to be able to to get stops. Um, maybe not all of them will be Notre Dame, right? Like, you know, maybe all of them won't have, you know, you know bigs who can shoot the way, um, you know, Notre Dame's can. But at the same token, like, um, you're going to have to go out there um, – and at least impose your will sometimes. And I think uh, I think about this in a in sort of the reverse way, right? Like I almost think that Saturday they needed because they needed to see just sort of how bad it was. You know, they, they, you know, you kind of limp along, and 
okay, the San Francisco game was one thing because you just you know you'd come out a couple days before that and, and basically scorched the Nets. Well, now you know how bad it can get. Um, and so the question is whether or not you respond, and this is the perfect opportunity for it because if you're if you if you don't do what you're supposed to do defensively, they're gonna they're gonna do it to you again. Like they are that they're not Gonzaga by any stretch, but they, man, they're talented. Uh, Dave, as you look at this matchup, what concerns you mm-hmm. uh, about the Irish? What concerns me is Virginia's only a six-point favorite. Um, like to me, they should be a little <laughs> bigger favorite, which tells me Vegas Ken is trying um, trying to get money. Ken on Palm that has it around the same too. I think Ken Palm had it as like 69, 63 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, not not trying to be a you know smart alley, but to me, like that's a little concerning. Which means those guys know more than than we do. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame is one of the – if there's a team in the ACC, even though Virginia's had pretty good success against them, I've always felt Notre Dame attacked Virginia's defense pretty well. Um, they weren't afraid to shoot the three early in the shot clock. They, you know, the, the Ferber way to beat EVA. Um, and they, they did that in years when Virginia had a better defense. So you've also got the – you've got – you know, there's a lot of film out there that this Virginia defense isn't as good, so teams aren't going to be quite as worried about going up against them right away. Um, this team's going to have to to show it, you know, to show they've improved to to kind of earn that respect that previous teams had. You know, previous teams had teams nervous before the game tipped. Um, so, you know, it. My concerns aren't specific to Notre Dame. It, it's more about this team. Like, they're going to have to make shots. They're going to have to close out better on three point shooters. I think Gonzaga like showed some ways to really expose this team's um, deficiencies on defense. You know, a lot of high ball screen, second pass. You know, to the to the wing off of a off of a you know pick and roll at the top. It's that it's not the initial movement. It's that it's the you know it's the next pass that this team seems to be this Virginia team struggles with and. Um, so they're going to have to figure out a way to, to be better and hope Notre Dame misses some shots. I mean, the chances are Notre Dame's going to get some open looks. So, um, I, you know, as rough as I've been on the team, um, yeah, I feel like this is a game that they should win. Like they've still got that, you know, that successful DNA. Um, so, you know, it's ACC time. Now it's time to turn the lights on as a familiar opponent, like Gonzaga, they hadn't played them before. You watch some tape. Um, and as harsh as the other thing, as harsh as I've been, you guys have been, like we, we know playing the pack line takes a lot of synchronization. It takes practice and everything else. And you know, we all we all and I'm super guilty since I brought it up first, but I mean, they did have like a ten day break right in the middle of, of any kind of momentum they could have gained playing together. Um that they weren't able to gain in practice that maybe they gained playing together, kinda of got taken away from them, um, you know, for ten days of, of nothingness. Um less than a week before they played a very, very good Gonzaga team. So, you know, we should probably give them a little bit of understanding. Um, not to mention these guys have been back on campus since, what, July or something with very limited access to their family. You know, it's a weird year for them. Um, so I do kind of feel guilty being so hard on them, but that's the standard you set when you cut the nets. So, um, you know, I, I think Virginia will pull it off, but it'll probably be a barn burner. For me, when I look at the matchup, so you, you realize, I mean, you think about, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what rotations or, or what, um, you know, what lineups make the most sense. You, you have to think that Virginia is going to have to figure out, okay, can you have Huff, Hauser, and Murphy out there together against this team? Um, I mean, I think Virginia is going to have to play with, you know, being small and keeping, you know, can you, can you get away with having, you know, Clark and Beekman in there together more often than not? Um, you know, Wolda's inside so far has been playing a lot of minutes. Um, I'm not sure defensively um, where sort of sort of what what they would look like if, if those minutes were going elsewhere, right? Um, but I do think you're going to get a steady dose of Casey Morsell in this game. Um, you know, he, he obviously is, is not – offensively where anybody would want him to be probably including himself, but his defense is important and Notre Dame's going to run a lot of really good, hard action on you. Like that's what Mike Bray does. Like that's what they do. And you know, you can't, 
if you're Virginia going in this game, you can't turn it over. God, how many they have against um, against Gonzaga? Like se- like seventy five. No, they had, what fifteen turnovers. Gonzaga turned that into twenty seven points. Now Notre Dame's not going to do anything like that, but you got to be more efficient, right? You've got to shoot it at a good percentage. You got to um, you got to get to the line. Some you got to cut down on the turnovers, and you can't allow them to have second chance points. Um, I, I know as I'm talking, I can hear myself, and I'm thinking this might come across as me make basically making it sound like you know they're going to have to be perfect to beat Notre Dame. But what I do think is that when when this team plays against good offensive teams, we got to sort of take off the cap of Virginia of the past and think like, oh, well, this is going to be great because now you're running into Virginia's you know strength. No, no, this team needs needs to play teams you know who don't have good offenses. You know what I mean? Like. That's not, you know, the up is down suddenly, right? Um, I still think Virginia gets it done because I do think Virginia is a better team. But they need to figure that out in a hurry. Um, how, to, how to be what they need to be. Um, because, honestly, that Tech team is pretty good at understanding who they are. And the one coming in there on Saturday, um, you know, like you don't want to make it seem like, you know, like the gulf between the two of those programs is, is closer than it is. But we live in a in a reactionary society, so I'm sure plenty of people will. Uh, give me give me a give me a number and and and, and what do you think happens, um, Dave? Let's start with you for Notre Dame, not Tech. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, for Notre Dame, not Tech. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you to pick a game that we we haven't even seen the next one yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to say Virginia wins it 74 to 68 somewhere in there, <laughs> six points. I'm not betting it. Um, I think they'll give up more points than we're, we'd be comfortable with, but I think they'll score. Um, Ferber in his preview, um, I just want to actually, I want to say this real quick. So sometimes when I know Ferber's going to send the preview, I'll go into the to the um, to the admin and I'll start, you know, kind of creating all the little pieces around it and just you know, kind of fill in the the stuff that he sends. And so at the end, I I will sometimes pick a score, and he has this thing sixty seven sixty one UVA, and I had it sixty seven sixty. Um, and that was not with like, I wasn't, this just keeps happening. I know. It's like, this is like the second, third time or something, this basketball season that I've done that. So I'm, I'm, you know, Ferber and I are like, our brains are are merging. Um, so you're, so Ferber's preview kind of, he lays out that you were going to say that you thought I died when, when I didn't send it to you. No, (laughs) I mean, it's not like you to not text. I was scared. Um, I was at the strip club with Dwayne. (laughs) You and Dwayne were hanging out. Um, that's the second reference you made to that. You're going to get somebody who's going to be like, wait, were you really a strip club? Um, mm-hmm. but no. So, so what to, to, in your opinion, Ferber, what was, what does Virginia have to do to win the game? Um, I think they're going to need to probably get to, I want, I want to say they, they need to get to the free throw line because that's something that Notre Dame doesn't allow very much. Um, and, I think that they're going to need to work the ball inside and, and make some things happen and not just rely on jump shots. Um, you know, I think that, I think David was the one who said it, they, they sort of feel like a jump shot heavy team sometimes. And I think that they have a lot of guys that can shoot, but um, I, I just, I think they'd be better served being a more balanced team. Um, you saw, I mean, obviously completely different situation, but you saw what they were able to do against an overmatched William & Mary team, you know, they just went to the rim over and over and over again. And, you know, that's where you can score points there. You get fouled there. You know, good things can happen at the rim. Um, you have a seven-footer that's a pretty good offensive player. Like, he, he shouldn't just be, like, disappearing from games because they just want to shoot threes. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, like we talked about Hauser, like, you know, as a three-point shooter in the there are two losses. He didn't make a three in either game. You know, he was like 0 for 7, I think, combined in those two games. So um, I think that they, you know, UVA, I don't want to say they're necessarily the bigger team because Notre Dame has some big guys, but, you know, like, like sort of like a stretch four. I think you can sort of go at him. Durham, you know, I think Jay Huff can win that matchup. I think I'd like to see them try to get the ball inside and then try to not turn the ball over so much when they get there. Um, and that starts with Clark because I think, and I think he's, he's an easy target for fans because they see the turnovers, but really I think he's just trying to make something happen. And if the guys around him can sort of make life a little easier for him and, and he doesn't have to press so much, I think that would be good. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see them sort of get an inside game going. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and really try to get into to the bonus and, and win some easy, you know, get some points that way, um, rather than just relying on, 
blocker mover or whatever offense they're running throughout the game. All right, let's move on to a 20. Well, I've already said I think Virginia win, but I, you know, I picked the number. But ultimately, to me, Virginia wins by sort of being closer to who they're supposed to be, but then also not letting uh, Notre Dame get into its normal sort of rhythm. I think that's that's a big key to me is if you let Notre Dame's offense just sort of uh, be, then they're eventually, even if they don't hit shots early, they're going to eventually get there. Uh, Virginia has to disrupt them. And I do think that on some level, once they start to have some success there, you know, even though the, I've said before, this is a team I think that gets its energy from its offense. I do think that in this situation, after the the beatdown they just caught, that get some stops and they'll start to feel a little bit better about themselves. And I can see some confidence coming back. But against this this Notre Dame team, it's going to have to be constant, and that's going to be a big challenge for them. Um, so let's move on to to twenty twenty in, in retrospect. Um, I, I kind of want to. I mean, we're already you know, 50 some minutes. So, I mean, I'm not going to spend all day breaking down 2020, but as I was thinking about this being the last show of the year, um, it sort of occurred to me how much there wasn't to talk about. And it's almost hard for me to remember, you know, like what happened before the, the, the shutdown the pandemic, all that stuff. Like I remember Virginia basketball being sort of hard to watch and yet they still would win games. And some people thought they were like, you know, going to beat every team they ever played. Um, meanwhile, the three of us were like, I mean, you know, they're finding ways and that's great and everything. But like, y'all realize that like, they're still not like, like hitting on all cylinders. Right. Like, and I felt like for a lot of fans, like that wasn't the mes- message that they were getting. Um, but anyway, wh- I guess from a sports standpoint, what stands out to you about this year? I mean, to me, it's the, that there was no ACC tournament. I think it's kind of appropriate that Virginia will open its ACC schedule against the t- last ACC team, um, you know, that they were supposed to play last year before they just didn't. Um, <laughs> Do you like how I worked that in? Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. And I, and after you worked it in, I worked it into the, into the tweet. Um, I just think that there's something sort of poetic about that, but uh, Dave, let's start with you. What's when you look back on 2020, what are the sports moments that stand out to you the most? Um, they're none. I mean, probably, I mean, Honestly, like 2019, I think when you compare it to 2019 as a Virginia fan, that's what makes it just so harsh, you know? 2019 was magical, and so, you know, in just about every sport, yeah, um, you, know, you, you know, you win something, kind of something big, and then, you know, Minneapolis, and um, obviously you end the streak and go to the Orange Bowl, go to the ACC championship game, and then 2020, like the first thing that happens is you get, you know, it took a while because of, you know, you think about where we were mentally when the 2020 bas- basketball, you know, 2019 basketball, 2019, 2020 basketball season got shut down. We were kind of all tired. Like, you know, we had gone through the basketball thing then had a really good football year with extended season into beyond New Year's. You know, we had just gotten to the point, like at least I had as a fan, gotten to the point where I was ready for more. You know, I hadn't had a break like we did this year. And then as soon as we get there, the team starts playing well. It gets shut down. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of one memory that stands out for the season. It's probably Waldo Tensei hitting that Waldo hitting that three at North Carolina is like B is for ball. One game. of the yeah. I mean, that's even though that was early in the streak, right? Like it was five or six games before the end of the season, if not earlier. Um, that might have been that was 2020, wasn't it? It didn't happen. Yeah, that, that was, was like the first win they had in the streak. That was, it was February fifteenth. Like ones I think, or they might have. Yeah, Saturday, February fifteenth. Yeah. That was like one of the very first ones. Yeah, I know because I and actually have honest. the um, the media credential on my desk because I found it in a coat that I didn't that I didn't wear between I guess roughly then and uh, like the end of football season. And I thought, yeah, that, that's the last like everything everything from that point forward felt weird. You know, but that was the last, you know, that game in Chapel Hill was the last time like sports felt normal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that game, like that's one of the few like highlights that will stick in my mind from 2020. Um, you know, the weirdness of the start of the football season with thinking you're going to open your season with Virginia Tech and then not and all that. And thinking the team was really good and then thinking they sucked and then thinking they were better. I get And now with the basketball season, like, you know, after that first game of the basketball season, I was like, oh, well, these things are back to normal. This team's going to roll. Um, 
to now all this criticism we have for him. Like it's just been, you know, I, I think we all enjoyed 2019, but I'd like to like remember how enjoyable, you know, how much I enjoyed it just to make 2020 a little easier. Um, 2020 can go on as you guys know, like personally, it was tough for some losses in the family. And obviously as a small business owner who, who depends a lot on, on sports revenue, um, yeah, 2020 can carry on its merry way. Ferber, what about you? What are your uh, what are your memorable sports moments of 2020? Um, I think as far as like actual live gameplay, I mean, that, the one of the biggest things you know for me is that I didn't go to any games this football season. You know, like I know Brad, you at least went to some games. Um, like. That was weird, you know, just not, you know, watching so many games on TV. It was, it's not normally the way it is. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest like in-person memory is probably positively um, was them beating Duke near the end of the regular season um, in basketball. And Jay Huff had the big block at the end. And that was the moment of the streak that they were on where I was like, wow, they just keep doing this. Like, you know, like, cause it's like, all right, eventually this is going to catch up to them, but it didn't catch up that day. Um, and it didn't catch up in the subsequent games before the season ended. And, you know, that was like, wow, they're, they've actually, cause you forget like now, I mean, we, for a long time, we were like, this team's not going to make the tournament. You know, like we we really thought that, um, that was like in play. And then they, they went from that to like, oh, well now they're definitely going to make the tournament. And, and then they improved their seed and all that stuff. And then obviously I think it will be hard for me to ever forget, being in Greensboro when everything, you know, everything happened basically, um, you know, all at once. And, and there weren't a ton of people in the Greensboro Coliseum the night before that tournament got canceled. But I remember just looking around and being like, man, there's a lot of people here. And, and that was before we knew a lot about how COVID spread and everything else. And that was just a wild, wild thing. And then obviously just watching the whole football season play out with no fans and, you know, how many text messages we spent over the summer wondering if they were going to play games, what their schedule could be like, what it, how it would work, and all the stuff that went into it. And, and, you know, it was cool when they finally did get to play against Duke, and it was like, wow, this is actually, you know, they, they started the season, you know, finally. So, you know, it kind of, I, I think that um, while it was a really, really tough year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons, I think that one of the things that I'll probably take from it is we – you realize how much you take for granted um, and not, not necessarily like all luxury things, but like, you know, just it never entered my mind that like we would, you know, I I've, I'm used to watching bad teams play, but I would never think that I just wouldn't get to watch a team play um, or like a season wouldn't have a natural ending or um, you know, just every, every little thing that, that happened along the way, you're like, wow, this can sort of, I mean, it's rare, but it qu- it can be taken away from you. And, and we forget how much we enjoy, you know, tailgating and different things like that. And, and, um, what you're going to see in 2021 or whenever we can get back to normal, um, you're going to see people sort of revel in being able to do those things again. And that's going to be great because I think for a lot of people, we talk about attendance issues some, I think some aspects of, of sports became stale for people, you know, like, or they just take it for granted and, you know, they com- find things to complain about. And, and I think this coming year and into the future, people will be like, hey, it's just good to be with my friends again and be able to be outside and go to these games and be in JPJ or whatever. So, yeah, those things stand out for sure. I don't want this to be preachy because I'm that's not my intent. But I do find it interesting that for a long time before the pandemic, right, there was this whole conversation about how, you know, attendance at college football games was dwindling and it didn't really matter how successful you were or how much tradition you had. You know, there were a handful of programs that had never experienced that before. And we had all these conversations, right, about, you know, oh, well, if you're at home, you know, it's too expensive and it's this and it's that. And and I think Ferber's right. Like, as soon as you can go back to games, people are, I mean, tickets are going to be flying, right? Because folks are going to be so ready to, to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Um, my sports moments, definitely that, that shot that, that Wolda Tensai hit in Chapel Hill. Um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> I, I guess technically, let's see, the Orange Bowl was on, I guess I would have arrived. It back. was in December of last year. Yeah. Right, and no, I'm saying, I but like. It was like a year ago today, a year ago, yes, tomorrow. Right. Or something like that. So I'm trying to, because I, I remember the whole nonsense with me sleeping in an airport, but I think that actually technically was 2019. Um, which it was. For the, 
It was New Year's Eve. Okay, which for the record yeah. was the dumbest thing that you ever done, Brad. Um, but no, so you know, it, it's funny because but you was, were like, "This is gonna be fun," and I was like, "Uh, <laughs> yeah." You were like, "You're crazy." <laughs> you right sometimes. You're like, "You're like, crazy." Um, I mean, I was like, you know, I was going gung ho, and it was an experience that I would literally love to forget. Um, but anyway, but no, so no spring ball, you know, no, no, no AAU events, um, you know, no top 100 camp, um, no fall camp to, to go to, um, you know, no media availabilities, right. In, um, pretty much, you know, from the, from, from Greensboro on, you know, like everything's remote. It, I am very thankful that I got to go to any games and I'm very thankful that, games were played because um i don't know if you know this or not but i run a website that covers uva sports and um i kind of run out of things to talk about without actual competition um and i did i mean i stressed you know for a long time going into the opener football season because i needed football season to happen for obvious reasons um but then like you know the um what well i guess for me outside of that you know the game in chapel hill and that it will be that experience in Greensboro, right? Ferber and I, I mean, Tom Hanks had it and Rudy Gobert had touched some mics and he had it. And then the games were shut down. And then we went back to the hotel and we were sure that like, that was, they were not going to be any more fans in the building. And we, we recorded that podcast to preview the Notre Dame game. And you know, that was it. And everything was different from that point forward. I, I, I think your point a few minutes ago about, you know, taking it for granted I, I, I would I would I would say it the other way, which is that it's not necessarily I think that that I took it for granted as much as that ne- it, it is it is abundantly clear to me now, um, you know, how fortunate we are to to have these these kinds of experiences and games and teams and things to to talk about. And so having those things taken away from you um, makes you appreciate them. So I don't necessarily think that I didn't appreciate them before, but I do know that I appreciate them more now. And I think that's the that's the thing I take to 2021 is appreciating the things that you have and appreciating the opportunities that you have and making the most of them. Um, you know, like that we still got a long way to go in this thing. And, um, <laughs> as I said on another podcast last week, um, you know, you, you, your, your, your opinions on all that can, may vary, but I don't care. Um, ultimately like, you know, it's going to be a while before that normalcy hits. And I think we're all, um, you know, we're ready for that. The question is, you know, how much longer do we have to, before that arrives? But for now, you know, 2020 can, as Dave said, go on somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, there's one other thing. There's one other thing I'd like to mention. Um, And that's the podcast that we did with Tony. Um, in the wake of all of this stuff that happened with George Floyd and and everything that happened. I think that was really important. And obviously it's completely off sports. Um, um, we did get to see a lot of the players sort of take things, you know, that happen outside of the game a little, you know, to heart, you know, what Terrell Janna did and Charles Snowden and a lot of other players and, and you know, the basketball team and everything else. So, um, you know, it's crazy that all these things happened in the same year, you know, and, and in rapid succession. But, you know, it, it, you know, I almost forgot about that until just now. And. You know, it's crazy how things like that, you know, kind of put everything in the pandemic and then everything else that we I was just talking about, like, you know, it kind of puts everything into perspective a little differently. Um, so lesson learned, I guess, in 2020 for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess I should also say that, um, you know, one of the things about 2020 that will stand out, too, is is, um, you know, being able to still do the show with you guys. Um, I'm not going to get all sappy or anything, but. You know, for a long time there, we were talking about a, a wide range of things, and um, we were doing the best we could um, to come up with you know different topics. We were and getting into some bad top- we, we are, topics. We're, yeah, <laughs> we were we were in the weeds, um, or as as uh, you know as the sayings go, the short rows. Um, but man, I I, I just want to say really clearly for the record and to anybody who's listening, how much I appreciate these two dudes for giving me their time each week. I make a I do a thing at the end of the show, you know, which is obviously, um, you know, canned at this point, but I put that part in there about appreciating everything that they do and appreciating their time because I mean it. And they take, you know, they got lives and they got stuff to do and they take their time each week to, to give me 
couple hours or whatever it takes, and I very much appreciate it. So I want to, especially in this year of all years, when there was no, like, there were not a lot of games to talk about for a long time there, and we still kept this show going, and for some reason, listenership increased, and I still don't understand what is wrong with y'all, but you know what? Folks, keep keep uh, keep tuning in, so I appreciate it. But I just wanted to say thank you to Justin, and thank you to Dave for everything they do um, for the the show and the site and everything else. So I just wanted to, I wanted to end on that note because I can do things like that. All right. That's a good place to put in a pen in it. Um, if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a speaking of canned, uh, for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, overcast, wherever it is that programs are quote unquote sold. We better be there. Um, and if not, give me uh, the heads up so I can be there. Um, now if you're somebody who, uh, has found the pod has not given us a look yet, check us out on the website, uh, calvescorner.com. Let's see right now. We, we talked about Ferber's preview. We talked about, um, I mentioned, you know, my column, um, talking about the, um, the loss against Gonzaga. I caught up with four star Charlottesville wing, um, Justin Taylor to talk about his offer from Virginia this month and where he is in his recruitment sport, uh, side note, fascinating to me that, the, the, the reaction on the message board was like, uh, well, why is any committed? <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical. Um, I did a, I started in the season review, season in review series we do. Uh, I broke down UVA's offensive grades on the um, PFF side of things and some takeaways from that. Um, ran a story last week, be, since there was no pod, on uh, four-star offensive lineman Noah Josie, who is now signed with UVA, um, putting those some of those comments from Bronco and also had some quotes from him about sort of his fit and everything, um, why he chose the Cavaliers. And then also, speaking of recruiting, I did a story last week, too, on uh, the some you know, kind of takeaways from UVA's 21 recruiting class, which by and large is pretty much in the books. So give all that a look. It's in your uh, podcast app of choice or the content item for the show. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show all of 2020. Um, whether you're new to the show, whether you've listened for however many years, um, 389 episodes. And I'm very appreciative both for the listeners and also for Dave and Ferber, again, for doing everything they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.